0: Translation, the Supreme Personality of Godhead stood with his lotus feet almost touching the ground while he rested the front of his hand on the raised shoulder of Garuda, the enemy of the snakes. Maharaj Prithu, wiping the tears from his eyes, tried to look upon the Lord, but it appeared that the king was not fully satisfied looking at him. Thus the king offered the following prayers. Srila Prabhupada's purport. The significant point in this verse is that the Lord was standing above the ground, almost touching it. The residents of the upper planetary systems, beginning from Brahmaloka, the planet where Lord Brahma lives, down to Svargaloka, the heavenly planet of Indra, are so advanced in spiritual life that when they come to visit this, or similar other lower planetary systems, they keep their weightlessness. This means that they can stand without touching the ground. Lord Vishnu is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but because he lives in one of the planetary systems within this universe, he sometimes plays as if one of the demigods of this universe. When he first appeared before Prithu Maharaj, he was not touching the ground of this earth, but when he was fully satisfied with the behavior and character of Maharaj Prithu, he immediately acted as the Supreme Personality of Godhead Narayana from Vaikuntha. Out of affection for Prithu Maharaj, he touched the earth, but he rested the front of his hand on the raised shoulder of Garuda, his carrier as if to present himself from falling down, since the Lord is not accustomed to standing on earthly ground. These are all symptoms of his great affection for Prithu Maharaj. Perceiving his fortunate position, Prithu Maharaj could not fully look on the Lord due to ecstasy. But still, in a faltering voice, he began to offer prayers. Omagyanati mirantasya gyanan janashalakaya chakshurun millitang yen atasmai shri guru vena maha mukankaroti vachalampangam langhayate girim jat kripa tamahung vande shri guru ndinataram shri chaitanyam ano bhishtang stapitang yen upootale dadati Svapadāṅtikam pancha kulpa chirubhyas chakrapasan evacha The Supreme Personality of Godhead stood with his lotus feet almost touching the ground while he rested the front of his hand on the raised shoulder of Garuda, the enemy of the snakes. Maharaj Prithu, wiping the tears from his eyes, tried to look upon the Lord, but it appeared that the king was not fully satisfied by looking at him. Thus the king offered the following prayers. So Srila Prabhupada points out uh, the main thing in this verse is that um, the Lord, um, because he's not of this world, um, when he f- appeared to uh, King Prithu in, in the sacrifice, he wasn't touching the ground. He came from the Vaikuntaloka within the material, material universe. We know from elsewhere in the fourth canto that there um, is such a thing. And, um, and so, <coughs> sorry, his feet did not touch the ground. However, um, the Lord was so charmed by uh by Prithu's um, um overwhelming spiritual emotions that um he literally came down to earth. And because he's not accustomed to that, he's not accustomed to standing on the earth, um he put his hand on um on Garuda's shoulder as if, to, um, as if to steady himself, to keep himself from falling. Srila Prabhupada says, Out of affection for Maharaj he touched the earth, but he rested the front of his hand on the raised shoulder of Garuda, his carrier, as if to prevent himself from falling down. Um, Bhishma Chakravarti talk, or at least in Banu Swami's translation, is a little more direct. He says um, that Prithu saw the Lord who had become visible to his eyes, which could not be fully satisfied, and who touched the ground with his feet. Sridhar Swami explains that the Lord's feet do not touch the earth. However, controlled by extreme mercy, the Lord forgot himself and his feet touched the earth to keep himself from stumbling he placed his hand on the elevated shoulder of Garuda so this is quite a, a, a charming picture of Lord Vishnu um, it's you know he's uh, almost human because he's in a in, in um, an unusual situation he tries to steady himself to keep himself from falling down. And that unusual situation is, is that he literally came down to earth out of affection um, for uh, for King Prithu. Um, I want to back up a couple of verses to create some context because I also want to take a look at what it is about Prithu that um, put the Lord... In, um, in such an unusual uh, position. Um, so go back a couple of verses to 19. King Prithu abundantly worshipped the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who was so merciful to him. Um, while worshipping the lotus feet of the Lord, Prithu Maharaj gradually increased his ecstasy in devotional service. The Lord was just about to leave, but because he was so greatly inclined toward the behavior of King Prithu, he did not depart. Seeing the behavior of Maharaj Prithu with his lotus eyes, he was detained because he is always the well-wisher of his devotees. So the phrase here in the, at the end of the verse is satam." Uh, he's the well-wisher Uh, of his devotees. We see at the end of the fifth chapter in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna describes himself as Suhrdham Sarvabhutana. So uh, Suhrdham Sarvabhutana means he's the well-wishing friend of every living entity. Śrīva Prabhupāda has on a couple of occasions explained you you can broadly uh, divide friends into three classes. Uh, You've got um, uh, Bandhu, Mitra, and Sukrit. So Bandhu is like an acquaintance, um, you know, somebody you know, not necessarily someone you hang out with. Mitra is a little more intimate, um, like a uh, someone that you do hang out with, someone who's you, you know who's your friend. And then there's Sukrit. Sukrit uh, uh, means the heart. So he's he's our well wisher. He's He's always he always has our best interests at heart so Krishna just says that he's sudan sarvabhutanam he's the well-wisher of all living entities but here um, we see that he's su satam he's Bhaktivatsala. among the Lord's different uh, qualities um, some of the acharyas occasionally explain that uh, the foremost of those qualities, the greatest um, of of those of all those ornaments, is his bhaktavatsalya, his inclination um, toward his devotees. This is a kind of partiality. We see that the Lord is um, impartial. We're supposed to learn that from the seventh canto. But what we see is that he's he's although he's impartial, in other words, he, he he's uh, Equally disposed to to everyone, um, he's more equally disposed toward those, um, you might say, toward those who are um, those who love him, those who are intimately connected with him in love. And this is a natural thing. This is not at all. Um, uh, this doesn't at all contradict his his own um, uh, equal vision. Um, just as you may have some great personality who is very uh, very kind, always treats everyone very kindly. Not just, not just polite, but actually uh, respectful. You can feel that he, uh, th- that he or she, this person, um, identifies with everybody. Still, when she's hanging out with her grandchildren, that's a completely different thing altogether. Um, Prabhupada told the story of the, I don't remember which prime minister of England it was supposed to have been, I think it was some prime minister of England, and uh, someone came for a meeting and the secretary said, uh, uh, the prime minister is in in an important meeting right now. So I guess the person cracked the door and peeked in, and there's the prime minister of the United Kingdom, um, crawling around on the uh, on the floor uh, with his uh, one of his grandchildren on his back, uh, playing horsey. Whoever this was that had that appointment certainly wasn't going to get that kind of attention um, from the prime minister. So although the Lord is equally disposed toward everyone and and takes care of all. Um, of our needs, uh, either directly or indirectly, he's particularly disposed toward those who love him. And he sees this in King Parikit, I mean, in in, uh, in in King Prithu, that he sees that how his ecstasy has grown. And so, seeing this, he paused for a minute. He was about to leave, he stopped for a minute um, because he's of Surat Satam. And then in yesterday's verse, um, we see the original king, Maharaj Prithu, his eyes full of tears and his voice faltering and choked up, could neither see the Lord very distinctly nor speak to address the Lord in any way. He simply embraced the Lord within his heart and remained standing in that way with folded hands. But still, even... However well he was able to see the Lord, just seeing the Lord didn't satisfy him, so he felt um, compelled to offer prayers, to be, to actively engage in bhakti. We see that Srila Prabhupada consistently translated the word bhakti as devotional service, so that we don't mistake that. It's just some cheap sentiment, just like sometimes now we hear People talk about people, especially in like us in yogic yoga circles or something. They talk about you know, having bhakti for this personality or bhakti for that personality. And that's not the bhakti that we get from the Bhagavatam. The bhakti that we get from the Bhagavatam is um, shuddha bhakti, um, as described in in um, in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Um, it's, it's an active culture of uh, of service that's meant to give satisfaction to Krishna, meant to please Krishna. So King Prithu wasn't satisfied with just seeing the Lord, um, but he offered prayers. Now, this is a fairly common uh, theme in, in the Bhagavatam um we see elsewhere that when someone actually sees the lord they um they become completely overwhelmed um, with ecstasy but uh, we see we see it uh, in the first canto in the sixth chapter where nardamuni is describing his um, past his devotional history uh, to Srila yasadeva and so he Sat down under a, a banyan tree at, at a certain point and uh, was meditating on the Lord and on the lotus of his heart, and he became. Uh, then he actually pictured the Lord, and the description that we get there is much like the description we see in the in the fourth canto and, and elsewhere, including the eleventh canto. The fourth canto, uh, when Nārada Muni is instructing Drūva Uh... Who's gone to the forest specifically to get the audience of the supreme personality of Godhead? So Narada is describing how to do that, and he, he's describing a process of meditation on the uh, on the Supersoul, and the description is very similar to what we see in the uh, in the sixth chapter of the first canto, and later in the eleventh um, canto in the canto in the Uddhava Gita when Krishna is describing the yoga system of, of meditation, especially devotional meditation, um, to his friend and, and uh, counselor, Uddhava. So Narada Muni is overwhelmed by the Lord, and, and, and his body becomes agitated by um, all these symptoms. Um, same thing with Dhruva Maharaj in the fourth canto. Dhruva goes to the forest simply, as I said, specifically to get the Lord's audience. And he's engaging in these austerities, completely immersed in meditation. And uh, the results are so powerful that when he stops breathing, it actually disturbs the movement of, of airs uh, through the universe. So the demigods, as is their wont, um, when there's great distress in the universe, they approach the uh, Lord Kira-Dakshai Vishnu in the ocean uh, on, on the shreta Dwip island in the ocean of milk on the Vaikunta planet, where the Lord resides within one of the material universes, and and um, they petition Him for relief. So the Lord checks for a moment. He says, "Oh, oh." That's my devotee, Druva. He's a little enthusiastic. Uh, I'll take care of it. So, he breaks Druva's trance. He disappears from Druva in trance, from Druva's trance vision, and Druva, perturbed, opens his eyes, and he sees exactly the same form of the Lord in front of him. And he also becomes completely overwhelmed um, by ecstasy. And, he um he feels like, you know practically like he wants to bathe the Lord's feet in his tears or something. It's it's and this is what's supposed to happen when we hear Srimad Bhagavatam. This is the purpose of hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. It's not just to um uh, compile uh, some encyclopedia of you know uh uh exotic uh exotic knowledge uh, you know it's not a um a, 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 an information bureau but hearing Srimad bhagavatam should be about transformation transforming our hearts just as we see here with prithu maharaj just as we see um with with uh, uh, narada muni in his previous life um just as we see with Dhruva Maharaj and, um, and Gajendra, and whoever gets the Lord's darshan anywhere in the Bhagavatam, it's, you know, it's as, it comes as a result of, as we see in these verses here, of gradual transformation by engagement in bhakti. So Prabhupada consistently translated bhakti as devotional service, not just devotion. Because it's an active culture um, of love uh, meant for giving pleasure to the Lord. So, um, you know, if we want to understand what hearing the Bhagavatam is about, we can go back to the third verse uh, of the Bhagavatam in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Krishna Das Raj Goswami explains that a sacred text. Uh, uh every sacred sacred text will be introduced with uh, an invocation an invocation of auspiciousness and it has three parts it has a namaskar it has um vastu nirdesha and a um oh i just had it um now can you unmute you'd have the word um it has an avirbhava shloka so uh, the Namaskar is offering obeisances. and in, in the Bhagavatam, we see these three things in the first um, three verses. Um, first verse is a Namaskar. The second is Vastu Nirdeshta Shloka, which tells us what the Bhagavatam is about and uh, who's uh, a suitable audience. Uh, so it tells us dharma uh, Nir Matsaram and satam this is for those who whose hearts are completely pure because they've given up all competitive interest um because following krishna's instruction in the at the end of the bhagavad gita to give up all um conventional forms of religiosity and which Krishnadas Kaviraj describes as dharma, arta, kama, moksha, vancha, the uh, desire for uh, uh, piety, uh, material progress, pleasure, um, and, and and even liberation. Why? Because they're all um, what he calls kaitava dharma, cheating religion. And why are they cheating religion? Because they're about me. So Krishna says at the end of Bhagavad Gita to give all these things up, and then we pick up on the very next step um, at the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam, Dharma Projita Kaitavotva. So this Kaitava Dharma, uh, has for those who have already given up this cheating religion, and whose hearts are consequently pure, because they don't have any, uh, of this mundane competitive spirit, they don't have even jealousy, much less envy. And we've talked about envy sometimes as uh, not just jealousy, but you want something that somebody else has, and there's an element of malice. You want it, you want it, you want it, and you want them not to have it. So, um, those whose hearts are completely pure, um, this is the uh, you know this is the proper audience um for the Bhagavatam. And then the third verse, um, the um Anyway, it's a blessing. Um, maybe Jagadish and Arhara can chime in later. So the the blessing verse tells us how to hear the Bhagavatam. Uh Shukamukharam uh, Ritadravya Sangitam, Bhagavatam O oh, expert and thoughtful men, relish Srimad Bhagavatam, the mature fruit of the desire tree of Vedic literatures. It emanated from the lips of Shukadeva Goswami. Therefore, this fruit has become even more tasteful. Although its nectarian juice was already relishable for all, including. The liberated souls. And uh, Srila Prabhupada points out uh, in his purport in this shloka, it is definitely stated that spiritual rasa, which is um, relished even in the liberated stage, can be experienced in the literature of the Srimad Bhagavatam due to its being the ripened fruit of all. Um, Vedic knowledge by submissively hearing this transcendental literature one can attain the full pleasure of the heart's desire but one must be very careful to hear the message from the right source and we hear um, something kind of like this at the end of the rasa panchayaya the five uh, uh, chapters uh, describing Krishna's rasa dance Um, in Vrindavan, and where uh, Maharaj Brikit is a little baffled, and and so he asks Shukadeva Goswami, he says, I'm a little confused here, Um, how am I supposed to understand that, he he refers to the Lord as the the Dharma Setu, the kind of bridge to Dharma. I might understand, you know, that the, the emblem of Dharma um, is messing around with everybody else's wife in the middle of the night. And Shukadev says, uh, you don't understand. These particular pastimes of Vishnu, and that's how he refers to them, the Vikriti of Vishnu. Um, these particular pastimes of the you know, as if to remind him, to to remind uh, uh, Perikit, these are the pastimes of the supreme personality of Godhead. He says these pastimes are so purifying, they're so elevated, that if we hear them properly, if we hear them in the proper mood, from the right source, and that proper mood is submissively, and the right source is through Guru Parampara, um, that these will... Pull out the disease, the real heart disease that afflicts us all by the root, and that, of course, uh, that that uh, heart disease is uh, lust, lust, selfishness, a desire to enjoy, where, where we think things are about me, just as we see in the in the second verse of the Bhagavatam. Um. And and so that proper hearing, um, Prabhupada describes a little bit, uh, a couple paragraphs down. He says, The subject matter is so presented through the lips of Srila Shukadeva Goswami that any sincere listener who hears submissively can at once relish transcendental tastes which are distinct from the perverted tastes of the material world. The ripened fruit is not dropped all of a sudden from the highest planet of Krishna Loka. Rather, it has come down carefully through the chain of disciplic succession without change or disturbance. Vishwana chakrabarti Thakur is, um, as he often is, Prabhupada, Prabhupada, as we see in this verse, Prabhupada so often follows Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur's lead um, in his purports. Um, so Vishwana says that without a Guru Parampara, one cannot drink the Bhagavatam in its unbroken form just by trying to taste it through the use of one's limited intelligence. In other words, we can't wrap our little mind around this. We can't understand even so much what's going on in gross matter, which we think we can perceive with our our different senses. But, um, But somehow or other, we think we can understand God or whether or not, There is God. And we'll demand God. Can you show me God? Prove to me that there is a God. But here's the thing. Um, Krishna uh, is not going to respond to our subpoena. He's not going to respond to our putting our hands on our hips and stamping our foot and saying, you come here right this minute. Prove to me that you exist. He's got his own thing going on. So Vishwanath says, how should this fruit be consumed? that is explained. One should drink it. For this fruit is the essence of taste, rasam, devoid of skin, seed, or other objectionable parts. This is pure rasa, pure essence. So he says loya means liberation, sayuja or attaining the conditions of salokya, sarshti, samipya, and sarupya. The word alayam then, means that the fr- this fruit extends beyond these types of liberation because the Bhagavatam is famous for glorifying the Lord's pastime. Or, and this is where it gets interesting, laya can refer to the eighth sattvika bhava called pralaya, fainting. So, the eight sattvika bhavas um, refer to involuntary bodily transformations that happen as we Uh, progress um, in devotional service, as we become advanced in devotional service. So Vishwanath says, one should drink until one develops the eight symptoms up to the final one, fainting. Though one will not be able to drink the nectar when one has fainted, when the fainting wears off, one again wakens to consciousness and again begins drinking until one faints again. One cannot give up drinking. So he's telling us that we need to consume this by drinking. And we drink through the ears, through the ears, uh, through the heart, using the ears. Uh, We drink until we pass out. We hear it until we can't take anymore. And I was just observing the other day... um, in in when I gave class here at the temple, that a couple of things that should happen occasionally when we read Srimad Bhagavatam, we should be overwhelmed. Every once in a while, we should be reading the Bhagavatam, and and something should happen to us that we got to stand up and we got to get up and and go for a walk or something, or. Or we start to break down. Tears come to our eyes. Or or we just think, whoa, oh, whoa, wait, wait. i got to go back and read that again. Did that say what I think it said? Because reading the Bhagavatam is meant for transforming, creating a revolution, Prabhupada uh, the Bhagavatam says, in the hearts of impious person- persons. And
1: we, we,
0: this is a group of experienced devotees, so some, we all should have some experience of this happening. And, and it doesn't have, we don't have to wait, necessarily, until we're advanced, because little, uh, sometimes drops of mercy come to show us uh, previews of coming attractions, as was the case with, uh, uh, with Narada Muni in his previous life. He was a little boy. He sat down to meditate on the super soul, but he wasn't necessarily ready to have full-fledged um, uh, 24-7 uh, darshan of the Lord. He got a peek, and that increased his hankering to see more. And the Lord said, no more this lifetime, but just wait. You'll, you'll get as much as you want soon so and and we see this also in the, uh, in the previous chapter um uh, uh in the fifth chapter of the of the first cantor where Nardamuni is is uh, uh explaining what he's missing to to Vyasadeva, what he's missing in his um service that left him um depressed left him despondent um and um he says you're missing." glorifying exclusive bhakti to to krishna and he says that it, it's um he said it's so pure that as if someone has once had some uh, experienced the taste of serving the lord's lotus feet um he becomes rasagraha. Prabhupada uh, uh, translates rasagraha as always remembering that taste of the, the service to the Lord's lotus feet. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, um, again, is quite stark. Um, he says, Rasagraha means haunted, as if by a ghost you can't shake. Haunted by Rasa, haunted by the taste, uh, that taste of service. And so he suggests that, oh, okay, so Rasagraha. That means we're talking about, I don't know, asakti bhava prema? Not necessarily. He says, it begins from the very first day of practice. And to support that, he cites a verse from uh, one of the Naviyogendras. Um, sometime I'm going to have to sit down and memorize uh, which of the Navio spoke uh, answered which of uh, King Nimi's questions at the beginning of the 11th canto. But anyway, one of the Naviyogendras <clears throat> um, is uh, describing bhakti to King Nimi, and he uh, says, uh, This is a verse that I sometimes think of as uh, at the answer to how do I know if I'm uh, making progress in bhakti. He says, Bhakti pareshana bhavavaviraktiranyatra chayisha tri e kakalaha. He says, <clears throat> Three things will happen. Progressively and simultaneously, when we engage in bhakti, bhakti pareshano bhava we have a sense of service. And we were reading the other day uh, here, uh, we're reading the uh, beginning of the second canto, where um, Sukadeva Goswami is describing to King Parikit how to uh, meditate on. The Lord, even within gross matter, how somehow, how even gross materialists might be able to perceive the personality of Godhead, even in this world. But he's prescribing a yogic practice of you know, sitting in a sacred place, sitting properly, controlling the breath, withdrawing the senses, as if he's almost as if he's a um, well, he's pretty much describing the Ashtanga Yoga that we see in the, in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. <clears throat> and, but the ingredient, the active ingredient here is, uh, as Srila Prabhupada explains in one of his purports, the sense of devotional service, the sense of service, service attitude um, toward the Lord. So, um, so we get that sense of devotion, bhakti pavo some. Um, Some direct experience of the Lord. Um, When we talk about faith, when we talk about faith, generally we don't mean just mere belief. We mean conviction based on some experience. Um, So some experience of the Lord. Um, Sometimes it's just a pleasure in in, 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 in a kirtan or feeling... Some satisfaction um, having uh, completed some service. and then uh, um, uh, detachment from anything else. So these are the three symptoms of engaging in bhakti bhakti and they happen simultaneously and progressively as one engages in bhakti. And just as when we eat a meal, How do we know if we're actually sitting down and eating lunch? Three things will happen simultaneously and progressively as we eat. Beginning from the very... And and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says that this begins from the very first morsel of rice. Tushti pushti Pleasure, nourishment, and um, uh, relief from hunger. So he says... Um, someone who eats a little, just as someone who eats a little bit gets a little pleasure um, a little nourishment and a little relief from hunger and someone who eats a lot gets complete pleasure um, complete nourishment and complete uh, relief from hunger. So someone who engages in a little bhakti will get a little Sense of devotion, a little experience of the Lord, and um, a little detachment from other things. And someone who engages completely in bhakti will get, you know, complete um, bhakti experience of the Lord and detachment from other things. And he says that the difference between these two things is that you can't just keep eating. At, at a certain point, you have to stop. But you don't have to stop serving, so that's where this analogy falls apart. So he says we should drink it until we pass out and get up and drink some more and that's um, you know that's actually what's supposed to happen when we hear the Bhagavatam. It's not just um, you know making notes that um, the residents of the upper planetary systems um, are so advanced in spiritual life that when they visit lower planetary systems, they keep their weightlessness. That's interesting. But um, what's supposed to happen is that when we read these things, somehow or other, our hearts are changed. And so we can follow in the wake of the devotees like um, Narada Muni, like Dhruva Maharaj, uh, like King Prithu. And be so, um, overwhelmed by our experience of hearing Srimad Bhagavatam that, um, sometimes it might become a little hard to proceed and then we'll just want to offer, um, prayers of gratitude. Um, How, how, you know, how is it that I have become Utipagya? We know from um, the Bhagavatam and uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's um, Madhurya Kadambani, that Bhakti is every bit as independent as the Lord, who is absolutely independent. She can go anywhere she wants, but she follows the lead of the devotees in whose hearts, in whose hearts she's taken shelter and goes wherever they show some kindness. So she's Yadurcha, Bhakti Devi is Cha. Uh, completely independent. And we are Utipagya. We are uh, uh, exceedingly fortunate because somehow or other, um, despite her complete independence, she's, uh, she's claimed us. She's entered our hearts through the agency of, well, through the, the agency of the Bhaktas who Vishnu says uh, be, uh, become deputed as agents of Krishna's Kripa Shakti, his mercy potency. So anyway, this is a couple of these are a couple of things that the, uh, this verse uh, made me think about, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just read the verse and stop here because we have, as I said, we have so many experienced devotees here that um, it'd be good for us to hear from others. So the verse again is: the supreme personality of Godhead stood with his lotus feet almost touching the ground while he rested the front of his hand. On the raised shoulder of Garuda, the enemy of the snakes. Maharaj Prithu, wiping the tears from his eyes, tried to look upon the Lord, but it appeared that the king was not fully satisfied by looking at him. Thus, the king offered the following prayers.
1: Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you, Maharaj. Just one moment.
2: Anybody, any, I have a question. Anybody else have something first? Go ahead. All right. And, uh, prime the pump. Uh, thank you, Mirage. Lovely class. Um, so you talked a lot about how we should be feeling something. You, know, you gave an example for, uh, say, after Bhagavatam class. So we we should feel like we want to we just got to go out and take a walk and just uh, let this all settle in. It was uh, so profound. But so how do we balance that with what Lord Chitanya said in the Shishasaka prayers, Dor uh, that I'm so unfortunate I, I have no I have no taste. Nice question because
0: it's exactly what I was thinking. Um, as, uh, as Ramananda was unmuting everybody, it occurred to me, yes, I'm really fortunate uh, because somehow or other, even though I went to a Jimi Hendrix concert, I ended up in the middle of Sankirtan. Um, still, after more than 50 years now of hearing Srimad Bhagavatam regularly, um, Maybe these little things have happened somewhere along the way. There have been little uh, little moments where um, uh, there's been some encouragement. I can share one, maybe. Um, but generally, I don't walk... A, too often, I don't walk away from each Bhagavatam class or each session reading the Bhagavatam or, or e- even studying the Bhagavatam um a different person from um, from when i sat down why the heck isn't that happening and it's got to be um uh, because uh, you know it's got to be because of my offensive nature because somehow how or other i i hang on to these attachments that have have rooted me in here in this material world for so long and that's i mean that's what lord Chaitanya is reflecting on that i must have, you know i must have com- committed some offenses in my chanting, because um, I don't find myself completely transformed just hearing, you know, just whenever I hear the holy name. So, um, so it's a way of bringing us down to earth too, I think. You know, if we actually, um, if we're introspective, and and uh, look in our hearts, and we, you know, we can see. Um, you know, if we look hard, we can find the things that that. Um, anchor us here um, and and keep us from getting completely blasted every time we hear Srimad Bhagavatam which is you know which is what should happen you know I mean we you know this you know, this is like you know this is the should be the most intoxicating beverage but it's like I don't know 3-2 beer or something like that you know that, you know when I hear Bhagavatam, it's kind of like hearing Bhagavatam, but not really, just like you know, drinking three two beer is different from drinking the stuff from the bottom of a keg of Lohenbrow or something like that you know you, so i can you can drink a lot of three two beer without getting completely blasted because you know you're not doing the real thing, so we need to we need to um um attend to those things that keep us, you know, keep us from, from drinking it in the mood that Vishwanath Chakravarti explains in his um, commentary on the third verse of the Bhagavatam. So, yeah, nice. uh, that, that's, that's our situation, you know, generally that's our situation. There are those of us who have a different experience. One, one, one time I had a little experience it was the first time I saw Srila Prabhupada this was in August early August of 1970 he came uh, to Honolulu on his way to Japan and India and uh, he only spent one night here in Honolulu we didn't have a place to put him up at the temple Um, so we got him uh, a room at a hotel in Waikiki and um, So Srila Prabhupada came in. We had a pretty big kirtan party. I mean, when I moved into the temple, there were eight of us in the state, um, all living on on McKinley Street. I was the eighth. Well, Kusha and I uh, were like seven and eight. We apparently moved in on the same day. And um, by the time Prabhupada came in, uh, and that was in March, just before Purnima, And... um, By the time Prabhupada came, we had about 35 devotees living in the temple. And um, when we went to the airport, we probably had about 50 or so people in a kirtan party to greet Srila Prabhupada. And he came in from L.A. on a 747, 300 and some odd passengers, I guess. And he and his party were the last to disembark from the plane. So... um, we when we saw Srila Prabhupada, the ecstasy had been you know from the kirtan had been raised and, and our expectation I guess, but when I saw Srila Prabhupada, what ha- what happened was something that I just didn't see coming. I didn't expect and I just didn't know. I couldn't process it. And so when we arranged a sitting place for Prabhupada, he had a, maybe a quick press conference or something. We all received him by offering garlands. We seated him at, on one of the seats in the lounge. We all approached him and offered garlands, and every time I approached him, somebody else also approached him, and it's just kind of my nature, introverted and shy. I hung back, and I was turned out to be, I was the last person to offer, I mean, there just wasn't anybody else to offer a garland, so I had to go up. And I put the garland around um, his neck and got down to offer my obeisances and say, say the prayers, but my body was so overwhelmed. With sobs, just completely racked with sobs, couldn't get the prayers out, and that was that. Just shocked me. I didn't, I didn't expect that to happen at all. Um, but this is the kind of thing that sh- should happen whenever we, <laughs> whenever we hear the Bhagavatam, especially really juicy parts. I mean, here King Prithu seeing Lord Vishnu himself, and he's completely overwhelmed. That he, you know, his eyes are. Uh, clouded by tears, he can't see properly, and he's not even sa- he's not satisfied with that. He's got to actually offer some prayers. And uh, you know, why don't I feel the same way? Uh, I'm not taking the medicine uh, according to the doctor's quite uh, completely according to the doctor's prescription. So we can diagnose ourselves like that, I guess. Thank you. I mean, it was
1: exactly what was on my mind. I was going to throw in that in the Bhajanar Hasya Bhaktivinoda Thakur he uh, relates that each of the Shikshashika correspond with the stages of devotional service so mm-hmm. the second uh, Shikshashika verse where Shaitanima Mahaprabhu is relating that uh, he has no taste of the holy name that refers to Sadhu Sangha the second stage of devotional service yeah. yep. throw that in
0: Yeah, we get faith from Sadhu Sangha which sometimes is just like kind of chance sadhusangha. Um so that's where that A shradha comes from. And then we take Sadhu Sangha more systematically. So we go here Shrimad Bhagavatam Sangha. And that draws us into active engagement in in devotional service, Bhagavan Yeah, yeah that, yes, um, that explanation, the cor- uh, um, correlation of the different um, Shikshasta compares with the uh, different stages of bhakti um, can be quite instructive and transformative, we hope.
1: So it's expected that in the beginning we're not going to have ecstasy. Uh, the first five. Of the Shikshastika are all within the realm of um, uh, Vaidi Bhakti. Uh, and it's only the the sixth verse where Bhava Bhakti is introduced. Mm. So that's why there bad verses there. That's what reflects. You know, we're more at yeah. the beginning of our devotional service. But it's a
0: gradual process. Yes,
3: ma'am. Uh, Maharaj, I really appreciate um, you saying that um, even from the very beginning, uh, one does not have to be very advanced at all. One can experience some ecstatic symptoms from uh, reading and coming in contact with the Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, my first experience was when um, I was a new bhaktin living in the Denver Temple, and um it was before I pretty much before I got initiated but I had been uh searching different religions and you know, just wasn't really entirely convinced about anything and, and um so I just thought, well, you know, I I'll move into the you know, I really like the chanting and the Prashadam and there's <clears throat> there's something happening here and it's not like anything else. So, um but uh when I was cleaning the temple room um i happened to uh, stoop down and pick up uh, the first canto of the shrimad bhagavatam and was just uh, uh we were already on part 2 and, and bhagavatam class and i happened to just kind of flip open the pages and thumb through and then i found um by krishna's arrangement um the first canto chapter 3 text 43 Um, this Bhagavata Purana is as brilliant as the sun and it has risen just after the departure of Lord Krishna to his own abode accompanied by religion, knowledge etc. people who have lost their vision due to the dense darkness of ignorance in this age of Kali shall get light from this Purana now I didn't know that this is the very verse that Prabhupada told devotees to Say to, um, uh, when, when they go, went out preaching and distributing, um, Bhagavatams to, um, you know, non devotees on Sankirtan, it just, um, I just happened upon it. And just like out of nowhere, I, I knew it wasn't me or my imagination. I just suddenly felt it's almost like I could see the dark universe a crack opening up and light shining through starting to shine through and i started to experience these extreme ecstatic symptoms that were unlike anything i've ever ever felt before and i i knew it was real um it uh you know i just began trembling and my eyes filled with tears and um I, I just felt like my heart just soared, you know, into heaven, and um, I couldn't maintain my equilibrium. I kind of fell to my knees, and I just started sobbing. I just, I just started crying, and and I knew this cemented my my um, feelings that this was it. This was it, what I had been searching for and searching for and searching for. And and I'm nobody. I'm not, you know, I was not even initiated yet. But I just suddenly felt electrified that I had come in contact through this Bhagavatam with absolute knowledge that this was non-different from Krishna. I mean, I wasn't thinking these thoughts, you know, in words It just... All of a sudden, I just knew in my heart that this was it. And Prabhupada was real, and he was the real um, messenger from God himself. And that message was in these books. So, um, yeah, I appreciate that, because I was just, for the first time, receiving this little morsel, and you got it when you... um, Garlanded Srila Prabhupada and and saw him for the first time and and um, all I did was you know just um, get his association through his books and and uh, you know, I just felt like I was holding my hands at just the most utmost treasure in the whole universe that that and it was right here. And how, and, and and so much gratitude, and how in the world was I so fortunate to come in contact with this, you know. And so thank you very much about that. I, that's something I will never forget. And, of course, later on, you know, throughout um, my devotional career of service, there's been uh, other times that, You know, it's um, experiencing, we all have had um, some connections uh, of mercy coming from uh, the Supreme Lord and uh, his representatives. So um, anyway, thank you um, about that. I just wanted to add in my little two cents.
0: Uh, There's one thing I noticed in that narrative. You were engaged in cleaning the temple when you read the Bhagavatam, when you picked up the Bhagavatam. So that service was there. There was that yeah. service, service added. I mean, you were immediately, I mean, you were right then, at that moment, engaged in an important service. And, uh, yeah, so, <laughs> you know. That's, anyway, that's what Vishwanath Chakravarty says so uh I was astonished the first time I read that. I, I just thought, oh dear. <laughs> and he kinda it's 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 almost as if he presents it sort of as a a a, a, a counter argument. He says, Well, um Rasagraha, you know, sounds like um uh, you know ah, 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 asakti or bhava or prema. It sounds like higher stages, but he says, No, it begins from the very first day of practice. Yes. So, you know, the, and so you had accepted the opportunity to do service, and you'd moved into the temple, you'd made some commitment, and here you were in the middle of doing some service. You paused to um, hear a little Bhagavatam, and Krishna said, well, I think I'll tell you exactly what you need to hear right at this moment.
3: He sure did.
0: <laughs> Krishna. He's a person. He's Bhaktavatsala. He's very kind, especially inclined, affectionately inclined toward his devotees. Well, sharing. it
3: was causeless mercy, I tell you that. Um, you know, I, nothing I did.
0: That's uh, kind of the definition of mercy, isn't it? We? we didn't learn it.
3: Is that
2: just Sanskrit term for these little special things that we get called sporty
0: Sporty, right.
2: Where we're just given some undeserved... Of special taste, just to keep us going. He gave the example of how Krishna appeared before Narda, and yeah. then the sporty he, he appeared, and but and he disappeared. But <coughs> just to encourage him, take to, a book, to
0: Yeah,
2: playing people with us.
4: Anyone else? Yeah, my. Understanding of these things is we're getting free samples at the front end, you know it's niche and under getting our attention and uh and then that encourage us to work for it. You know we may have some experience like that, and then that encourages us to apply ourselves uh I get a couple of things here um One of my takeaways for your class, uh, I I liked your class, was um, that our heart disease is lust and then it's all about us. It's all about me. Um, You know, that has to change. So, yeah, I just like the way you express that. And um, there's this, uh, you kind of, dist it as not being important but uh, and, and I do uh, I'm totally about Bhagavatam and I, I think the Bhaktivedanta purports are what uh, excites me it, there's so much uh, nugget, you know it's, it's to mine there in the purports of Prabhupada he's drawing from Sridhar Swami and Vishvanath and but he's adding his own uh, also. So I really look forward to Bhagavatam and and the, especially the purports. So uh, there's some mention that uh, the Devas and Vishnu, they're not touching the ground. And it reminded me of the story in the Mahabharata
1: mm.
4: of uh, how Yudhisthira's chariot wasn't touching the ground and mm-hmm. the battle of Kurukshetra so and so it kind of connects with this purport and, and and it is interesting to note that yudhisthira he was this the last surviving member of the pandavas uh, as they decided to do a death march into the himalayas and he he was accepted into heaven in that same body so there was something special about Yudhisthira and uh, Dronacharja being one of the generals of the crews he was proving to be impossible to remove from the battlefield and of course the Pandavas couldn't win without him being removed so an elephant by the same name as his son Asvatam was killed in the battlefield and some of the warriors got an idea to It's a big battlefield, is really spread out, millions of warriors fighting. And so somebody got the idea to tell Drona that his son had been killed, you know, saying, uh, you know, not saying the elephant, but saying, Asvatam is dead. And so, uh, and then Drona, it got his attention. He had so much affection for his son, but he said, I I won't believe it unless I hear Yudhisthira say it. Because Yudhisthira was famous for never speaking an untruth. So uh, so Krishna, he went to Yudhisthira. And he said, you sh- you have to go to Drona and tell him his son is dead. You tell him Asvatam is dead. And there's this elephant by the same name that's been killed. So actually, it's kind of, you're just, not, you know... Um, let's see, withholding information. It's not exactly a lie, but it's, you know, you're you're distorting the truth. So, uh, anyway, Yudhisthira, he takes the order of Krishna and he starts to move in the direction of where Drona is in the battlefield. And he gathers up some of these, there's men on the battlefield that uh, blow trumpets or or play different musical instruments to kind of get the blood boiling, you know, for the Kshatriyas to fight uh, in the battle. And he collects some of these men that make uh, these musical sounds during the battle. And, uh, and he arranges that they're going to, after he says the word Asvatam, that they're going to blow the bugles and the conches or whatever they got. And, uh, And so he pulls his chariot up to Drona, and he. Drona looks over at Yudhisthira, and Yudhisthira says, Asvatam! And then he has the trumpets blast away while he says, The elephant. So Drona doesn't hear that part of it, is dead. And, uh, And then Drona, he could hardly believe his ears, but. Yudhisthira had said it so he accepted it and he stopped fighting and we know that, you know, he took his helmet off and then he just assumed a lotus position in his chariot and uh, he went into some meditation and they killed him. So, So, after that incident, Yudhisthira's chariot hit the ground and... Some shallow commentators they would say it's because he told a lie, but uh I heard from Shudomar the reason his chariot hit the ground was he didn't follow the order of Krishna directly yeah. he and and so <laughs> that's wh he lost his that power, that celestial levitation, left because he he didn't do exactly what Krishna told him to do, and because Krishna, he's the absolute truth. So anyway, he can make the rules. He breaks the rules. It's <laughs> <laughs> if he says it's it's a snake. It's a snake. If it's a you know, he says it's a rope. It's a rope. It's you know it changes it can be anything he wants it to be, so anyway, that anyway, it just reminded me of that story.,
0: mm, yeah, thank you. yeah, I was thinking thinking of that as well. Uh, I think we can stop here. I am late, good to go see the deities, which means I probably won't be
2: overwhelmed with ecstasy when I get there. darshan so.
3: Thank you, Thank you, everyone, for the narrations and for the wonderful class, Maharaj. I really appreciate Thank listening.
1: Thank you, Maharaj, for your kindness and your patience.
0: Thank you, Maharaj. Thank you. I'm proud to you, Madhagas, coming to you I'm a
3: able. Thank you.